Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station, a place to sit back and relax while you're waiting for your train to board. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. This is a special series, a field guide for Christian leaders. We're reaching back over 1,500 years to bring you a leadership classic from St. Gregory the Great, a week-by-week look at timeless wisdom from the past. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Book 2, Chapter 5, Be a Holy Neighbor. Everybody's got that one friend. You know the one, he'll start talking about something and it's like he forgets who's listening to what he has to say. Somebody's going to get offended here. And the more he talks, the more you cringe. It's like, okay, this probably isn't the right audience. And I can't believe you just said that. Well, I'm afraid St. Gregory might be that kind of friend. There are a few reasons for that. First of all, he is absolutely committed to serving the Lord, and his point in all of this is to help us serve the Lord well, too. And that makes him fearless and a little bit politically incorrect. If you're offended, well, maybe you needed to be offended a little bit. But there's another factor. St. Gregory is writing at a time when the Christian church was not divided into denominations, really. He was presenting a flavor of Christianity that was what the whole world knew. And he doesn't water down the challenging stuff. And that brings us to this. And now, the Lexeme of the day. Contemplation. I've had well-meaning Christians tell me contemplative prayer is always bad. Well, no, I don't think so. Admittedly, there are some messed up applications that could make doctrinal watchdogs, well, nervous. But it's pretty hard to argue with the reality that biblical contemplation was an unquestioned part of discipleship during the first 1800 or so years of church history. What that means is this, we are to read scripture and prayerfully contemplate how God wants to apply it to our life and how to understand what's going on around us. Now, at that time, not everyone could read and they would do this from memory, turn it over and over in their minds and almost be catechetical about it. What does this mean? It's not to self-focused, what does this mean to me? It's more of a, what is the Lord saying? that I need to hear. Contemplation was the first step in applying the Word of God to -to day-to-day life. And so, let's see what Gregory has to say. The Field Guide for Christian Leaders That the ruler should be a near neighbor to everyone in compassion and exalted above all in contemplation. The leader should be a near neighbor to everyone in sympathy and kindness and deeply rooted in contemplation with the goal of carrying the infirmities of others as though they were his own, yet completely focused on things that are eternal and invisible. If these things are not balanced, he will look down on his neighbors in their weakness, or he will lose sight of his aspiration to holy things. When Paul is caught up into paradise in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 3, and explores the secrets of the third heaven, 
And even though he is contemplating the invisible, holy things, his mind is drawn back to earthly, carnal concerns. He reminds the church that husbands and wives should meet one another's sexual needs because of the very real dangers of temptation and immorality. The husband is obligated to take care of his wife's needs, and the wife is obligated to take care of her husband's needs. 1 Corinthians 7.2 he states that they should not deny one another in 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, except for short periods of time so that they can give themselves to prayer and then come together again so that Satan will not tempt them. Think about this. Paul has been initiated into heavenly secrets, but he's aware of the realities of life. He lifts his heart to the unseen realm, and yet he has compassion on those who live life in the real world. In contemplation, he dwells in heaven, and yet in compassion, he does not abandon the physical. He is joined to the high and holy, as well as to those still wrapped in flesh. From the heights above to the depths below, Paul's deep knowledge of God does not blind him to the realities of life. Paul is happy to identify with anyone in order to introduce them to Christ, and he makes it clear that he shares in their life. This is why he said in 2 Corinthians 11.29, Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? As he says in 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 22, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became one as outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I may win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak that I may save the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I may save some. He did this not by jettisoning his faith, as many do, but by enlarging his loving kindness. This approach taught the church how to show compassion to others, because they saw how Paul showed compassion to them. He treated them as he himself might have wished to be treated if he were in their shoes. When he says later, For we are beside ourselves, it is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. It is because he understood how to have fellowship with the Lord without losing the ability to interact with sinners. The patriarch Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending as a reminder that we are to contemplate the holy head of the church, Jesus Christ, without forgetting to commiserate with its members. Moses goes in and out of the tabernacle, and he moves from the affairs of God to the affairs of sinners. He even carries their burdens to God. When faced with difficult situations, he consults the Lord before the Ark of the Covenant, before he takes action. This should be your practice, leader, when the challenges of the world, your work, your circumstances become too difficult. Return to the tabernacle. Consult the Lord through prayer and the word. Jesus Christ himself spent time in prayer on the mountain and then went down and worked miracles in the cities. This reminds us to aspire to the things of God while showing compassion to one another. 
Love grows in surprising ways when we serve the basic needs of our neighbors. And if you practice kindness to those who are weak, it will strengthen your faith. Be so trustworthy that your followers share their weaknesses and temptations with you, and you respond with pastoral care. Encourage them to turn from their sin, show them the way they should go, and let Jesus cleanse them of their sin through their repentant, sorrowful prayer. Join them in this. Within the temple, the laver where the priests wash their hands is supported by twelve oxen. Their faces show and can be viewed, but their hindquarters are hidden. These twelve oxen represent all the pastoral leaders, because as Paul says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out grain. We see their open works, like the faces of those oxen. But what happens in the presence of God, the strict judge, we do not know. It takes patience and humility to disciple others and cleanse their sins. And like the labor at the temple, pastoral leaders provide the opportunity for people to wash their hands of sin in thought and word and deed. We have to keep our own hearts pure so we are not polluted by the temptations and sins that others bring to us. We're not to be afraid, though. If we stay close to God, he will rescue us from temptations, and we will find ourselves even more distressed by sin and the impact that it is having on their lives. And now, it's time to stand before the Mirror of Truth. There it is, Book 2, Chapter 5. Gregory's concern was that people could be encouraged to live a clean, holy life, and the best way to do that was to be an example. For him, there was no such thing as being so heavenly-minded that you're no earthly good. The leader needs to have one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. That's not easy. We tend to lean one way or the other, and balance is hard. For Gregory, and probably for the rest of us, contemplation helps us keep one foot planted in the heavenly realm so that we know how we ought to live and what to do with that one foot that's firmly planted on the earth. So, are you doing that? If your answer is, not so well, I'd suggest you might want to consider adding some contemplation to your daily intake of Holy Scriptures. Everything else in our lives, we read for information. The Bible is the only book that we read for transformation. The Bible is the book that reads us. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. As the train boards and rolls on to its next destination, we hope you found your time here helpful. The paraphrase of St. Gregory's work, along with supporting content, was developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson. As always, our sound engineer is Brick Martin. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. And the closing music is from Javier Cugat, Brazil. Great Ridge Station is a service of Great Ridge Group, LLC. Stay with us on this. We're eagerly awaiting your next visit to Great Ridge Station. <laughs>